She already felt like she was walking on eggshells. She told herself that she'll just do everything he told her to do and everything will be fine. Until the day he threw the package of frozen food at the back of her head, she knew it was only going to get worse. Discover what key strategy saved her and opened her to a brand new life. Hi, I'm Rosie Aiello, and welcome to the Vulnerable to Valuable podcast. We talk about moving forward after experiencing narcissistic, controlling, demeaning, and abusive relationships. If you've been in one of those, like me, you know what I'm talking about. You're not alone. You've been through some painful stuff, shame, blame, that inner bully inside you. My mission is to lift and inspire you, give you the ways you can reclaim your voice and value, your confidence and the courage to be the new empowered you. Our guest, Linda Shively, award-winning speaker, grief leader, and master executive coach, gets vulnerable when she shares the tough and scary decisions she had to make once she realized that she was in a very unhealthy relationship and what she needed to do to move forward in her life. She faced incredible challenges and grief, yet step-by-step created an empowered woman. Stay until the end to discover her journey to empowerment and feeling valuable. We're going to talk with Linda Shively in a moment and first a mini masterclass. In today's mini masterclass, I'm going to dissect healthy and unhealthy relationships. As I share, keep in mind that the first relationship you have is with yourself. Women often have shared with me that until they've heard me speak, they didn't even realize that they were in an abusive relationship, also known as a very unhealthy relationship. (laughs) Sometimes we call it toxic. Sometimes we call it narcissistic. Sometimes we call it controlling. Lots of words for the same thing. Now, that belief though, that, that they didn't realize that they were in an abusive relationship just shows how much women blame themselves and take responsibility for someone else's behavior. It's like, if I just did this better, then it would be better. He'd be happier and everything would be good, right? I had that belief too. That's exactly what I did. I was married 18 years before I even knew I was in an abusive relationship. So, and that's why this work is so important and important to me to to share it. And what I want to talk today, um, I will go in a little bit of the unhealthy relationships as I'm talking, but I kind of want to focus more on what what does a healthy relationship look like? So what I want to talk about is healthier, the healthy side of relationship. What does that look like? And what does it look like specifically for you? as you. And I have a long list of healthy and unhealthy relationship characteristics. And I'm going to just talk about one or two of them today. And the the one that I want to talk about the most is in a healthy relationship, okay? In a healthy relationship, you can be your authentic self with him without having to compromise your true essence. 
Okay, I'm going to just say that over again. In a healthy relationship, you can be your authentic self in that relationship without having to compromise your true essence. And you may, if you're like me, it's like, well, what is my true authentic self? You know, what's my true essence? And when I came back after my international escape, I kept hearing those words, oh, just be your authentic self. And I swear, I really didn't know what that meant. I didn't know how to be my authentic self. And this is, oh, and this is part of the problem. What has happened is that in the relationship, whether you were in the relationship a few weeks, a few months, or in my case, a couple of decades, some people have been in it more, it doesn't really matter how long once you get sort of sucked into these narcissistic relationships that can really take you down, is that it's always this sort of trying to prove yourself, right? You feel like I'm never enough. How many of you say, I'm not enough? I was never enough. Uh, and now maybe you're not even in the relationship, but you still have those core beliefs. Or, you know, I, I try to do something for him and, and, I, and I do it. You know, we're all goal achievers. We're smart. We're accomplished in so many things. <laughs> you know, I'm talking to you. I know. And yet with him, we're just a big fat failure. And the sometimes is what we call it drives us crazy or we call it crazy making, but we're not thinking that way yet. We're not realizing that because we keep trying and trying. And part of the, 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 the heart of this is our need, hmm? our need, if we're going to be truthful, is to people please. Well, we just want to make him happy. That's people-pleasing. We don't make anybody else happy. So every time you give in to what he, his demands are just to keep the peace in the relationship, to think, oh, well, if I do this thing, that's going to make him happy. Every time you do that, you kind of know in your gut that it doesn't feel good, that it's not right, but gosh darn, this one time, I'm going to really do it. It's going to work this time. But let me tell you, every time you do that, every time you give in, you give up a part of you. And so layer after layer of your authentic self gets buried one after the other. Every time there's a demand, every time you're giving in, you're covering up your true essence. And so she gets buried and she's already probably gotten buried from people destroying their values on top of you. This is what you should do. This is how you should behave. People constantly telling you. Now, when you're a child, you're, you're being formed. So that's okay. You, you have things to learn. But as you're an adult, then you start listening to religion. And not that it's, it's bad. I'm not dissing that. But you have to be aware of how you show up. And are you showing up because people tell you that's what you have to do? Or are you stepping back and actually asking yourself, who in the heck am I? Who am I? What's important to me? What is my true essence? And so that has been the, the journey I have taken and uh, the journey, part of the journey that I take my clients on to really start to unveil what matters to them. How are they showing up? How do they want to show up? And a lot of women still, I mean, they're it just, I only work with successful women. It's just like, that's how, who, who comes to me, right? But they're still saying, I have to settle. 
Well, let me tell you, when you settle, that's just another euphemism, another way of, of people pleasing, another way of giving up who you are. This is your one life. Why do you need to give up who you are? Look, I gave up my life. I gave up who I was for 25 years. And no one on my watch is going to do that, that I have anything to do with. Nobody. You deserve to be treated with kindness. And that starts, my dear friend, by being kind to yourself. And being kind to yourself is not people-pleasing because you're just lying to yourself and lying to them. It's not settling because, again, you're lying to yourself. It's not proving yourself in an intimate relationship. You don't have anything you have to prove. Nothing. You are 100% lovable. You are 100% worthy. You are 100% enough. And there is nothing you have to do to prove. Because once you get into that proving position, you are now covering up your authentic self. You are worthy just as you are. It's your job to protect your true essence and your authentic self. First, you you need to identify, find out who that authentic self is again, right? Who is she? Who is the real me? So many of my clients, they just tell me, I... I hit, talk to women all the time and they, it's just like the, the mantra is I lost myself, right? You lost yourself. But we're talking about now creating a new you. So you lost yourself, but now let's create a new empowered you. And it starts by finding out who that authentic you really is. So when you are in a healthy relationship, you're not proving yourself. You don't have to prove yourself. I'm in a beautiful relationship now. And he never tells me what I have to do. In fact, he will tell me, you don't have to do this. You don't have to cook. You don't have to. It's just almost the opposite. Although I love to cook. so. (laughs) But he doesn't tell me I have to. He's not ordering me around ever. He's not making uh, the, the relationship conditional on what I do. Those are not healthy relationship characteristics. So I just wanted to share this with you to get you thinking about that because you matter. Your life matters. This is your precious life right now, right here. How do you want to live it? How do you want to show up? Who do you want to be? Again, you deserve to be treated with kindness and it starts by being kind to yourself. The only way to move forward and create an impact in your life is to know where you're at, where you want to go, and what's holding you back. Get started by taking the Freedom Fulfillment Quiz. In four short minutes, you'll discover where you are, where you want to be, and what you'll need to do. If you're serious about evolving into a new empowered you who can show up as that confident woman she once was or wants to be, then start now. Your life is waiting for you. Go to 
freedomfulfillmentquiz.com. Today, we're going to meet Linda Shively, award-winning speaker, master NLP coach, and brain expert who transformed her life so you can connect, communicate, and create a healthy relationship with yourself and others. Linda will be here in a moment. And first, thank you for downloading the Vulnerable to Valuable podcast produced by the Love is Kind Network. We're just starting out. Please subscribe. Every five-star review on iTunes and every share will help our mission to impact 100 million women worldwide who have lost their voice, value, and authenticity in narcissistic, controlling, and abusive relationships. Will you help us achieve that goal? Now to Linda Shively, grief leader and master executive coach. Let's go from vulnerable to valuable with Linda. Welcome, Miss Linda Shively. I am so thrilled to have you here today. I'm so excited to be here, Rosie. I want our listener to hear a little bit how fantastic you are, because I know how fantastic you are, but they don't know you yet. So you are an award-winning speaker, and you have presented across the country from places like Walmart to Carnegie Hall. You've hosted a show on cable television and filmed in a movie with Ryona Ryder and Jeff Daniels, and you have been studying the brain and mind function for over 30 years. You are now a master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming and executive coach, and you help professional women reduce their stress and overwhelm by changing their self-sabotaging patterns. Talk about self-sabotaging. Wow. Welcome again. And I, I have not spoken yet to any woman who hasn't had some pattern of self-sabotaging. Isn't that amazing how we, how the brain works and how we do that? And if you've been in an abusive relationship, it's kind of like piled on top of you, right? Definitely. One thing after another. So what, tell us a little bit about your experience in that realm. In December, 2005, I had to make a really tough decision. I had to figure out how to escape an abusive marriage with my severely handicapped three-year-old daughter, Jessica. And Jessica is the light of my life. She has so much energy, is super excited about everything that she does. She has a condition called spinal muscular atrophy. So it affects her ability to sit, crawl, walk, and even swallow and breathe. She does have the strength in her index finger, to be able to drive her power chair and control her communication device because she can't speak because she has a tube to help her breathe. She loves to read. She loves to be around her friends and family. And it's not a great place. My marriage just, I always felt like I was walking on eggshells. And no matter what I tried to do, I felt Like, okay, I'm going to do everything exactly the way he wants and everything will be fine. And you're smiling and you know that that doesn't work. And it was, I knew it was bad, 
but I didn't quite get it until one day I was taking care of Jessica and he was upset about something and threw a package of frozen food at the back of my head. And I was like, this is not safe for me to be raising a child. It's not safe for me. I know it's going to get worse, but I had no idea what to do. I was like, where am I going to go? How am I going to do this? How Mm. can I possibly take care of her on my own? All the medical equipment, the nurses. I couldn't work at the time. And what could I possibly do? I finally made a plan. And on a Tuesday afternoon, I brought her home from preschool, put her down for a nap. And I looked at her nurse and I said, you pack her medical equipment. I'm going to pack her clothes and her toys. As soon as she wakes up, we're going to escape. Oh, so you told, so she knew, the nurse knew. And so we left. Exactly two weeks later, two days after Christmas, I held Jessica in my arms as she took her last breath and died. That must have been so hard. I mean, from really the, the this disintegration of your marriage, I mean, knowing that, even if it's something you want, it's still extremely difficult. Escaping, as I know it well, is very difficult. Um, having a sick child is is also hard because I know that as well. And, and but to, to have her, her her pass away when it's like, here I I left to create this life for you, but really, I I don't know if you knew that she was on her towards the end or not. I don't know, but. It's just, um, it's a lot for a human being to handle. Yeah, it was, I believe the five biggest challenges of life all happened to me right at the same instant, Mm -hmm. you know, losing a home, losing a spouse, losing or losing a marriage, losing a child, losing my work, because that was essentially what I was doing full time. So my sense of identity, everything in a heartbeat Mm -hmm. and I struggled to figure out what do I do? How do I move forward? And it it took a while. And initially, because I know this will hopefully help some of the people who are listening to this, initially it was harder to deal with effects of the abuse than it was to deal with the death of my daughter. Yeah, I can imagine. I think... You can tell me if it's true or not, but I think with the abuse, it was like you tried so hard and couldn't get anywhere. Whereas with your daughter, you knew, of course, you didn't want to lose her, but. Well, I, yeah, it's like I also tried hard, but it also was out of my control where yeah. the other it was as if there was somebody who was intentionally doing something that, yeah. you know. What was the relationship like, just to give them a little bit of perspective on what you were experiencing with your uh, ex-husband? There was a lot of conflict. Uh, There was a lot of animosity. It seemed like we would escalate any conversation. And I knew that that wasn't good. There would be disagreements about little things that would blow up into big things. We lost a tremendous number of nurses and I'm 99% sure that it had to do with his behavior. Mm -hmm. But it, you know, 
when there are only so many nurses who can take care of a special needs child Mm -hmm. and you blow through a whole bunch of them, it makes it that much more challenging. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the impact to you uh, as far as how you were being treated? Would you lose your self-confidence? Did you feel um, just diminished? I mean, how did you feel? I completely lost who I was. Mm -hmm. I had a very difficult time making decisions because I wanted to please. I wanted to make sure that I didn't upset. I wanted to make sure that things were smooth and easy. And so after I left, somebody would say, oh, what do you want to have for dinner? And I had no idea. It was Mm -hmm. like I had completely lost that ability to make a decision for myself. And thankfully, I'm getting that back. (laughs) But it's it's a journey to re-identify what is it that I actually like, not what is it that Mm. he likes. It's like, who, who am I? What are the things that I enjoy? And reconnecting to who I really am. Yeah, that's so important. I mean, I can relate to that. I just, I remember when I arrived back in the United States and um, I had to buy a car and then, uh, which, and I got uh, suggestions from friends and things like that. And then I had to buy a printer by myself. I mean, that was like a huge thing. Here I am a woman in her fifties and it's like, I, I bought a printer by myself. He's I have nobody to yell at me for making the wrong decision, right? And to to speak that, I mean, we're both intelligent women and how we just got just crushed. And you said the same thing. You lost who you were, who you were. The same thing. I lost who I was. The women I speak to, I, you know, I lose who we are and what's important to us. I mean, that's one of the uh, 11 freedom fulfillment pillars that I go over is like, oh, we... we we have something that's important to us that we have we have the right to know what we want and it's okay so that must have been again just a challenge of getting back on your feet and just the you know i, I just can't even imagine the emotional um whirlwind you must have been in with especially with the tragedy of the loss of your daughter that your mind probably was just going like crazy you know and and how did you how did you get to where you are now? What are some things, maybe self-forgiveness, maybe we can go there. I'm just going to pick that one to see if that was a journey that you had to take or are still taking. Oh, I know you have a list of many different journeys and I have been on all of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> And self-forgiveness is definitely a piece of it because I made the decision to be in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And I made the decision to leave that relationship. And I made the decision, you know, so there were many decisions in my path and I had to take ownership of that and then forgive myself and not beat myself up. Like, well, why didn't you know? Why didn't you trust yourself? Why didn't you whatever? Because mm-hmm. there was a lot, you know, I had the indication that, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's like, no, I, I knew there wasn't something right at the beginning, yet I still went through with it. And so then making sure that I am okay with, okay, I made that decision and have done a tremendous amount of personal growth work since then so that I don't repeat that pattern. 
How did you, can you share, do you remember or something you do now that helped you forgive yourself for, you know, whatever it was? I think nobody, even, even though you made the decision, we all make the decisions that we're getting married, but I don't think we're going, making the decision that still thinking that somebody is going to abuse us or we're, we're you know, and just like, oh, we're going to go there. We may think, oh, well, this guy has so many great qualities, but you know, this don't, these are not so, so hot. I'll fix him. Right. You know, it's like, it'll be better after marriage. We have all these kinds of thoughts, right? It's like, uh, we don't, I didn't know anything about abuse or narcissism or toxic behavior. And that was beyond me, but I've done a lot of, you know, a lot of work on the self-forgiveness too. So is there anything that you did um, or doing that is especially helpful for you? Well, I do a lot of meditation and finding that I ground myself and get myself present because if I don't, I spin out and Mm -hmm. just get caught in whatever might be going on at the moment, you know, whether it's thinking about a past relationship, thinking about a work problem, thinking about a challenge that's coming up in the present, you know, all of that. And it's like, if I'm not grounded, I, it doesn't, I don't do very well. And so sometimes even just taking a short walk outside helps me center myself Mm -hmm. and get back into, okay, who am I? What, what's important? Mm -hmm. And just being present. I think is probably one of the the biggest pieces that I can really point to as a way to not just for self-forgiveness, but for self-care in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, self-care. Self-care is really huge because you've been put down, women have been put down, diminished. You're just like, who am I? And you, women in general usually are not on the top of the list of self-care anyway, right? We give to everybody else. And you had a daughter who was extremely uh, in need of your care. So I can't, I'm sure you weren't there. And if, and after your daughter was your husband, uh, even though your husband may have wanted to push himself first, but I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting. When you were, I don't know if you can take us a little bit through your, your healing journey of how it progressed you know, through, through the years from that time, would, uh, if you can share that with our listener, I think that would be really helpful to know it's not just a straight line that there's the ups and downs and right. Well, the, that, that reminds me of something that I shared with a grief group that I run. Time does not heal. It's what you do with the time that matters. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. uh, you've probably heard, oh, well, time heals all wounds. No. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> it doesn't. No. It's, and so peop, I've met people who haven't done anything for decades, and they're still in the same place that they were decades before, still bitter, still hurt, still whatever adjective. And every person has a different journey, but it evolved for me. I had a lot of support. I sought out counseling. I sought out coaching. I've done tremendous personal growth work. Now I coach people Mm -hmm. and help other people who are going through grief, who are going through the challenges with relationships. And 
guide people to figure out who they really are. Mm -hmm. And I think that giving back to other people aspect has been a huge part of my journey and understanding what happened, why I thought the way I did and figuring out how to overcome it. I don't like that word. It's not a good word, but how to adjust to it and use it more effectively because we can't change what happened to us. We can no. only change how we deal with it. Yeah, the, no, that's, it's, it's really good because um, every woman who's experienced this has, has, has some sense of suffering. And the only way you can move forward is, is really dealing with your own thoughts, dealing with how you're going to adapt and not just think that, right, that time will heal. I, I've heard that. I mean, I've heard both sides, like time is, is, is what you really do with it, right? If you don't process it. And um, I think, you know, you said you, do, you went to counselors, you had coaches, you did a lot of personal development work, you have your meditation. I mean, these are such great tools that, and also to show that we don't do this alone, do we? No. You know, initially I was in a support group for women who were getting out of abusive marriages mm -hmm. or relationships. And I needed that first. And then I needed to process the grief around my daughter because mm -hmm. I was, as I said before, I had to figure out who I was. I had completely lost lost who you were yeah that's uh it's it's pretty much like that so did you did you get to a point where you could actually start to look into a better future like creating a vision of what it was that you wanted as you started to rediscover yourself what did that look like i did i realized that i had a powerful story to share and i knew that Jessica brought so much joy into my life mm -hmm. and that she isn't still on this plane to be able to share it herself. And so that's kind of my ch charge in life is mm -hmm. to keep that joy alive. Mm -hmm. And I love to speak. And I realized a lot of people are terrified of speaking. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that that was something that was important for me to do. And I began speaking, then I began coaching and realize that by sharing the message that there really is hope, that there really is a way to get out from under whatever it is that you're dealing with and, you know, stress and overwhelm that come from not knowing who you are, that come from all sorts of self-sabotaging patterns and helping people get through those and shift that completely. Yeah, the the whole change in, in on our in our outlook is so is so important in having that hope. I wrote um, an article not too long ago, and I call it the two sides of hope. There's because when you're in the relationship, you keep hoping it's going to get better. You keep hoping he's going to change. You keep hoping, and then so I call that the bad hope or the wrong hope because we're falling a hope that's you can't do anything about, right? Exactly. And we think we can do something about. So we, we keep following a path that's not going to serve us. And then you start to realize, well, there's a different hope, a hope where I can really create my life and that I matter, my life matters. And to get those people to, to support you in fulfilling that hope that that is real and to get on that pattern. 
So I really get that idea about having the, the hope because I remember my therapist saying to me, she says, all you need is a thread of hope to keep going. So it's not like we have to have this big, oh, you know, life's going to be a bowl of cherries, right? You know, but you know, we're not there yet. Or the woman who's, who's still recovering, trying to figure this out. And, and as she's listening to this, it's like, okay, here are two women who, who are showing that. That's the hope right there. Your story, my story is so, is so incredibly powerful. When did you feel when you're in your marriage, when did you feel vulnerable in your marriage? That's a big question. (laughs) Uh, There were so many areas where I felt vulnerable. I probably the biggest was just the uncertainty of his behavior, of his behavior. behavior. Mm -hmm. And so not knowing when something was going to upset or what the reaction was going to be. And a lot of, a lot of it was verbal. It -hmm. wasn't necessarily physical. Mm -hmm. It started, there started to be more physical, which is when I, that was the red flag for me. Throwing that frozen thing that I I label that physical. Yeah, exactly. And there were, there were things that I dismissed, you know, like the, the, the pushing or the shoving or whatever that I just kind of, oh, that was just a little whatever. And then it's like, no, this is not something that to be dismissed. Mm-hmm. And one time in particular, I had wanted to get a hug from him. And he looked at me and he said, no, that would ruin my whole day. Whoa. Yeah. And I was like, I'm married to this person? how and you know how is this possible Mm -hmm. if like absolutely and so things like that would be said Mm -hmm. or I would be the butt of jokes Mm -hmm. and initially it was fun it was funny you know you crack a joke and then I realized that it was always negative about me Mm -hmm. and that isn't okay no it's not okay and it's never okay. And it's never okay even in any kind of relationship, whether it's a business relationship or a friendship, whether with a friend, it's never okay. And that's sort of the, the mission of, you know, love is kind and the kindness right. movement is because um, like, I think you're like me, you know, we don't need to be with toxic people anymore. We've been there, done that. <laughs> it's, it's over for us and we don't need to keep bringing ourselves down. And I think people just get kind of stuck in that in that mold of they can't do anything about it. So what you're doing has just been so powerful. What do you think are some of the other key steps that you've taken to what I'll call create the freedom in your life, to be you, the freedom to be you? I think it's actually connecting with more people who have vision like you do. I mean, vision like I do, where we recognize that women have power. Women have a choice and acknowledging that, really owning it as opposed to being the doormat, being, you know, however you want to phrase it. I know victim is a, not a great word and survivor 
is what many people refer to themselves having gone through situations like we have. I like to say, I want to help people thrive. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't want you just to be a survivor. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I I, I agree with you on everything you said. Absolutely. Every episode, I offer a mini masterclass on the 11 Freedom Fulfillment Pillars. You can get the guidebook to all 11 Freedom Fulfillment Pillars right now. Simply go to vulnerabletovaluable.com and hit the subscribe button to get your copy. The only way to move forward and have an impact in your life is to get awareness of where you're at and discover what's holding you back. Following the 11 pillars, I was then able to develop strategies to create my business, become an international award-winning entrepreneur, speaker, and author, find the love of my life. And I use these pillars every day to create a fulfilled life. These are the same ones that I use with my clients. And now they are yours free. Go to vulnerabletovaluable.com and subscribe. And we're back with Linda Shively, Master Executive Coach. So I have found the people who are in my world have shifted slightly and there tend to be a lot more positive people. I've gotten rid of a lot of the negative in my mm-hmm. life. And so it's it's more fun, you know, and it isn't like, oh, well, I can never see so-and-so again or, but it just naturally happened that certain people kind of disappeared from my life or saw them less and the people who I really enjoy their company and resonate with more have Mm -hmm. entered in and I think as I've done the trainings grown my own business gotten connected in the in my professional life getting out of corporate (laughs) getting That was a huge shift for me, Mm -hmm. taking that step to start my own business, to really move, move myself forward and move other people forward. That dynamic itself eliminated a lot of toxicity and... Yeah, that's that's interesting. Because I think, you know, one of the things of being in these relationships is there's lots of isolation. And I can imagine you being with your daughter who had so many needs is that it probably didn't give you a lot of free time. That is an understatement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I, I get it, you know, and I was overseas and, but, but general, the general pattern of abuse abusers is that they'll isolate. Right. And mm-hmm. so, and so you, 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 you need support, but they don't even let you have the support. And now right. you naming that part of your, your, your path to freedom and finding yourself is being around, just being around. It's not like you're working with them or just, but just your general, the people you hang out with, are people who are happier, more joyful, more normal, you know, in the sense that, you know, we have good days and bad days. We are uplifting. We're not diminishing. We're really conscious of what we say and how we say it and how we present ourselves. And so our, our environment makes a difference. And that's why when they isolate you, you don't have anybody to check your reality with. Right. And now you ha- you're on your freedom path of freedom being you. And it's like, I get to choose who I hang out with and I'm choosing uplifting people, right? Exactly. That's, exactly. that's, that's really cool. I, you know, we really haven't discussed this on the podcast before. Um, these are kind of things I think when you start to do, you kind of start to assume and you forget that that, was a, that is an important part of the journey 
and seeking out those people and not, and more than you correct me, but for me, it's more than just being in a support group. It's just who you hang out with generally, right? Yes, exactly. It's the, the chosen people. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes it's intentionally chosen and sometimes it's activity chosen, mm-hmm. you know, like the way we met and, you know, mm-hmm. the way it's like when we start to be around people, we enjoy doing activities that we enjoy. We meet other people who also like those activities, who also tend to be in that wavelength and, you know, we connect at a different level. And so that's, that is what I think I started to do more is this is, this is what I'm called to do. This is what I love to do. I'm going to do it. And I know I had friends who I worked with previously who thought I was a little crazy because yes, (laughs) 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 but all of my vacations I took to go to trainings, to go to speaker mm-hmm. conferences, mm-hmm. to go to retreats, to go to not so much to go to exotic destinations. Right. And they would sometimes, you know, it's like, that's vacation. It's like, yes, you know, the people are amazing what yeah. we're doing. You know, it's fun. It, it gives me a, a break from the computer programming that I did. And it was just, that refreshing way to be around people. And most people who think of conferences think of dry, boring, why do you have right. to go type? And it's right. like, especially the conferences that I'm going like, to. oh my God, I have to go there. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. And, and so I learned and I got to be around amazing human beings and realized that there's this whole world of people that I had not been exposed to before. And that sparked new friendships. It sparked new ideas and got me on the path to starting my own business. And so it's just, it, it's definitely a journey. And so there are many layers to it. And as I began to take more cause for my life and not be at the effect of my life, mm-hmm. I was able to do that and to help other people see that and do that for themselves. Yeah, I love that. and. You know, I was thinking, you know, when you go on vacation, you go to be relaxed, to be uplifted and feel recharged and right. And right. And what were you doing? You were going, being recharged and uplifted and everything. I mean, that was, you were getting what a vacation people go to, to go to the beach, which, you know, I love to do, but that was really recharging. It's what you needed. Exactly. And, you know, nothing is, I, I, to me is like the best investment is the investment in yourself. And they were taking their vacations. Again, no put down to vacations. We do need we those. We need those as well, yes. Right? <laughs> However, the investment you made in yourself to, because you had a lot of stuff that you were dealing with as well. So going on maybe, you know, to a beach at that time in your life, maybe you would have just been ruminating more. Exactly. I, I, would have, I wouldn't have gotten out of my head and right? it would have just, it probably would have spiraled downward rather than getting me uplifted. If yeah. I and getting back. Yeah. And getting back to what you said earlier, where time doesn't heal, you know, it's what you do with the time processing. And that was exactly what you were doing. If you went to the beach at that time in your life, 
you, you would have been spending time probably trying to distract, but not processing, not learning new skills, not being around people who can bring you up. I mean, it's just, I love that. (laughs) It was such a great, you know, great idea, but it just shows you how important good relationships are. Yes. Right. Isn't it all about, I mean, everything we've been talking about has just been about how important those relationships are and to the development of ourselves and, and the isolation that we can get our, you know, we've gotten ourselves into or someone we leave, we have, we can, people can, women can still be self-isolating mm-hmm. all these traps that they get into and unless they, they realize that there's another way. All this has just been fantastic. Oh my gosh. So wh- how can people find out a little bit more about you? Well, when I talked earlier about meditation, mm-hmm. there's something I'd like to give to your listeners because it's it's something that has helped me and it's an everyday meditation. It's something you can do very simple and it really grounds you and centers you. And so I, I would love to give that and that's a way that people can reach me. And it is myjoydrivenlife.com forward slash Rosie because it's special for your group. <laughs> Thank you. And we'll, and we'll put that, though, that link will be in the show notes. So don't worry, it'll be in the show notes. That's fabulous. Thank you for, for that generous offer because I, I, you know, I love to meditate and I'm always looking for new meditations as well. I think it's nice to get recharged on those as well. And um, I'm sure that this will help, help our listener just like, sometimes my answer is just being quiet. It's amazing how much more you can get done and how much more peace you can have mm-hmm. if you just spend a few minutes meditating. Yeah. And I I will admit I'm guilty of it. I'll say, oh, I don't have time to meditate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, and, you know, we're human. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, no, 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 I don't have time. And I've made a commitment. And as of this recording, I've been, I think it's a hundred, more than a hundred days. I'm just going to say that and Mm -hmm. consistently meditating. So it has really helped. I used to meditate infrequently and I had people say, oh, you need to meditate an hour every day, or you need to meditate a half an hour every day. Great. If you can, but start with 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, just, just a few minutes. And it could be at a lunch break. It could be in the morning. It could be in the evening. Whatever works. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be the same time every day. No, it doesn't. What does love is kind mean to you, Linda? Love is kind means that each person, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a romantic relationship, looks out for the other person and also looks out for themselves. And they're really wanting to do the best for each other. It doesn't mean it's always perfect, but it means that there's a heart behind the love. Beautiful. Take that in. Just breathe that in, listener. Just breathe it in. It's so beautiful. That sounds like a meditation in and of itself. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your, your time for sharing your beautiful story, for all the ways that you demonstrated and shared how you went from vulnerable to valuable. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rosie. It was a lot of fun. 
That's it for today's episode. Head on over to vulnerabletovaluable.com and subscribe to the show. When you subscribe, you'll instantly get a special ebook. And when you subscribe to the show and post a review to iTunes, you'll be entered into a drawing to win a free consult with me. Plus, your subscribing will help our mission to inspire 100 million women worldwide to heal and move forward from their abusive relationships. That's vulnerabletovaluable.com, the podcast that guides you to reclaim your voice, value, confidence, and courage.